0: Hey, welcome back to another amazing episode of the Sales Team Ready Podcast, where everything is possible, where there is no such thing as limits or obstacles, only opportunities, right? And there is nothing but the mountaintop to be reached, and we want to help you get there. This podcast is for people who know that you're sold out for something more and is the mountaintop that must be reached and nothing to get in the way. Right, we're not here to convince you that the mountaintop is where you want to be. We're here to help you get there if you want to be there. But uh, I'm going to share with you. Just you know, I had a great conversation. You're going to enjoy this uh, this this upcoming episode um, with Chris Johnson. He's a friend of mine. He's in the mastermind group that I'm part of. Really, really smart guy. Just really understands business and happens to be a lawyer. And I love the way he. That's how he describes it. He doesn't describe himself as a lawyer. Somebody who. Who really understands business excited about business and is a great business person. He really has, he understands that he's growing his business in, in great ways. Uh, and he's got a lot of knowledge and he's always absorbing and gaining more. And uh, he understands, he understands how law and business integrate. So he's got a lot of great insight and, uh, you know, pay attention because there's something that uh, as a scaling and growing company, um, we just see too many people don't spend enough time in, we, you know, we, we, we feel like we go, most of us go to a lawyer when we feel like something is when troubles coming, uh, or when there's a potential problem, and you need to be, you need to have a lawyer as part of your a team, right, you need to be part of your success team, just like your CPA, it's like you don't go to your CPA after you get fined by the IRS, you go to CPA to keep from becoming entangled with the IRS or any other you know, challenges that come up. And it's the same thing with the attorney. And you know, when you work with somebody who is someone to work with a legal professional, it's about keeping yourself on the right path, preventing as much as possible, any potential litigation challenges, fines, disputes, and et cetera. And I just want to open your mind to the kind of leader that you want to be and the kind of decisions you need to be thinking about as you're growing, because it's not just about where's my next client and how am I going to make money and how am I going to keep my money, but it's uh, about how do I do things the right way and in the right order, in the right sequence, in the right time, right? So Chris Johnson, business law expert, um, and uh, we're really going to talk about how how business lawyers can help you succeed right? Chris Johnson has a dual JD and MBA. I don't know what that means, but it sounds very impressive. (laughs) Entrepreneurial spirit, a wide array of business experience. As I was just saying, he offers an unrivaled dual approach to solving the toughest problems facing today's businesses and has uniquely prepared him to bring us business centric judgment and perspective to his clients. Meaning he knows how to help you implement the law to your business benefit. And that's a great way to to approach it because that's exactly how I approach sales. The sales is not just a mechanism to sell your product, but it's to help people make great business decisions about your product and how it fits, and where they where they should be on their journey, and how you might be able to get them there, right? So it's a whole different perspective to being able to solve people's problems and help people, and um, make sure that you uh, you know check out uh, check him out uh, on these. He makes a nice uh, invitation and offer, and I want to encourage you to check him out, reach out to him, pick his brain on something, get some anytime someone's offering some quality legal advice uh, for little or no cost. I highly recommend you take advantage of it because. The worst thing you do is have a decision to make, right? Get some information and then you figure out what you want to do with it, but don't go with questions unanswered, right? So enjoy the episode and we'll see you uh, on the next one. Chris Johnson, super excited to have you here, man. Just talk, just tell people who are listening, tell the sales team ready audience, you know, who you are, tell them a little bit, tell them your version of who you are and how you got here. Why, Why are you doing all this? Why does this matter?
1: Okay. Why this matters. I am a business person at heart that happens to be a lawyer as well. Um, And I do this um, because I like helping businesses build, grow, and succeed. Um, I first came into contact with lawyers when I was working um, in the real estate industry, doing uh, retail uh, redevelopments, and we used real estate attorneys. And I saw that there were very valuable and needed, but um, working with them could be frustrating at times. Um, And so I always uh, wanted to do things a little bit differently and provide more practical business-focused solutions to my clients. Um, I never liked my clients feeling like they're being nickled in dimes because I felt that way. Um, and I never liked feeling over lawyered on issues that I was like, look, this is the lawyers making it way more complicated than it really needs to be. And I guess what that boils down to is I just really didn't feel like the lawyers cared about the business, right? They just cared focusing on the legal representation. So that's how I try to do things differently is understanding the client's business and providing just practical. I'll say business advice, but so it is legal advice, but it's practical from a business standpoint.
0: Got it. Yeah. And I I totally appreciate that Um, because uh, something that, you know, we work with a lot of marketers and, you know, being the sales agency, sales company, we spend a lot of time collaborating with multiple different marketing companies and something Uh that you see in business, but especially in marketing um, everybody seems to have a preferred strategy and they try to put everybody into that strategy. Right. And then the marketers that really get it figure out what you need and then create the strategy that serves it.
1: Right. right. Strategy leads Strategy leads, and I can say that too. And I can speak a little bit on this, right? I don't, I don't hold myself out as a marketer, but right. I was the general counsel and chief operating officer of an advertising agency. And so I absolutely believe, and I agree, that strategy leads um, the tactics that need to be employed and that marketers should think um, like business people. In a sense, it was very similar. Um, The marketers need to understand the client's business and do what makes sense for that business, not the other way around. So I totally hear what you're saying. It's the same with the legal world too, right? They have their-
0: Exactly. Well, that's they the parallel. Control. That's what I was hearing you say when as you yeah. were describing you. I was that's the parallel that was coming to my mind because you're, you're trying to serve the customer the way they need, as opposed to, hey, I'm really great at this. You should do this. You
1: know? And that is a great parallel. And I saw the parallels too, being in that industry as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's easy to get caught up in trying to move people to the place that you want them to be instead of helping them get where they want to go and using your expertise to help them get them there.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, just because it's, it's easier to do the thing that you know, you you know, I've done this thing a hundred times. Why don't we do this? because It's easier versus, Hey, I haven't done that one yet, but I'm pretty sure I know how, or I have some, a partner I can bring in who can help me figure out how, right. Cause um, Cindy and I, we, we just were, you know, part of, I was just sharing that we were, you know, we've, we've gone through some, we've, we've had a big bloat And then we got a little bit sluggish because we're not making the progress in all these areas because we got all these initiatives going and it doesn't feel like anything's moving. And so we're trimming back some things so we can go laser focus on some things and make some better progress. And in that process, we have taken on some clients and we have other clients coming in the pipeline that are different than what we have typically done. So, which means in order to serve them, we're gonna, we have to create some new solutions, which is equally you know, challenging and you know, it's uncertain. Like, okay, we haven't done that before. So it's exciting because we get to create something new, build some, bring in new partners, bring it, create new assets. Our team's working on stuff because we now have to solve a different problem to help that client get there.
1: It's challenging, but it's, it's what makes doing what we do <clears throat> satisfying and worthwhile. If I had to do the same thing over and over again, I would shoot myself. So part of what I like is the challenge of doing something different. And what you're talking about is human ingenuity and human creativity, which the bots can never take away. So, so there's something to be said about using bots because bots do help scale, but bots do the same thing over and over and over and over again humans come up with creative solutions and strategies to problems
0: right yeah and uh, I don't know we'll see what happens I mean I just we just went and watched Top Gun uh, the new it was movie. the best wasn't it awesome, awesome. <laughs> it was great well it was and I think partly because it, we waited for so long for it it was very satisfying but <laughs> uh, you know you watch the automation and stuff it's like all the stuff that the humans do it's like well computers can do that too and I just have you know, maybe at some point a few generations from now uh, c- a technology will also be able to feel what humans feel, but I don't know, but uh, you know there's still always that 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 argument for a human could still know when to not push the button.
1: Who knows, I mean we <laughs> no one foresaw that. Um, that we have computers in our pockets and what that would actually look like right so even apple was like, oh, we're going to put a computer in everyone's pocket. But what the whole
0: ecosystem
1: ended up looking like 10 years ago, I don't think yeah. anyone no. could see what that looked like. That So anytime you have disruptive change, we like have ideas of what that'll look like. But then yeah. when it plays out 10 years and the ecosystems have been built around it, I mean, who knows, totally different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just you, you have to keep moving forward and then hope that the, the problems, the right problems will reveal themselves so that you'll have to create new great solutions for them. Right. And you can't you can't even guess what those will be most of the time. Not, not yeah. as fast as technology and life moves now. But but I do know that everybody listening here, you know, our audience, we definitely attract people who are forward minded thinking and. Um, risk takers, calculated risk often, but, but risk takers versus people who are sitting back planning and waiting and planning and waiting. And it puts you in a situation where like in our company, we every time we get to new levels, like we've never been there before. And we have to solve a problem that we haven't solved before. And there's not a lot of companies like ours. So there's not a lot of models to follow, which means we take a lot of risks that cost us. And, um, you know, what, what, what did you do from a law perspective as a, as an entrepreneur, somebody who understands business, you know, um, how, how do you pl- what role do you play in making sure that those risks are minimized?
1: Right. That's a great question. <clears throat> Let me start by saying one of my best clients, the client that made me partner in my old firm, um, was a, was a client that had scaled very fast and got into all 50 states with operations in all 50 states very, very fast. And there were great reports in them doing that. Um, and they were the market leader. They also had millions of dollars in litigation spend, not just legal spend, not just all the corporate stuff they had to catch up on, but the legal spend. And so I think a lot of that came operationally um, through employees that would just kind of run and, and do their own thing. So some of that's management and some of that's legal. Um, and the legal part, well, there's an over both, right? There's policies and procedures at every company and not every policy and procedure is written and that's totally okay. But what a lawyer can do to help mitigate some risk is start putting some of the policies and procedures in writing, um, making sure that they conform with the law then still up to the business side to coach and train on those policies and procedures and make sure that the employees are following those policies and procedures that are in writing. Um, So I know a lot of that stuff doesn't sound fun, um, you know, especially for an entrepreneur that's looking to scale their business, but it definitely is a risk prevention strategy. And if the entrepreneur, if your clients want to think about it this way, Having policies and procedures in writing, having employee handbooks, having all those things documented by legal um, is a good way to add value to your business. So that's intellectual proprietary um, information that the company is creating. If you're going to want to look for a buyer of the company, a buyer of the company. Wants to see that you have those things in place. When you have those things in place, it makes your company more valuable. So, if risk mitigation doesn't motivate you to do those things, then making your company more valuable should.
0: Yeah, really good. Um, I've had a lot of discussions around this lately, as you know. You know, um, we've had a lot of talks about just you know the acquisition phase and growth of the business and um and then you know what does it look like for us to exit in three to five years from now and that's part of it it's like how many different i heard somebody saying and i can't remember exactly who but to to create as much ip around your processes as possible so and name even naming conventions because the more things you say hey this is our five-step process of this or this is our our ladder process or the more things you name the more things you own and it speaks to the uniqueness of it and the fact that you have created a system which just all of those things just uh, they make it more valuable it's like if it's if it's named it's probably spoken to your company already and your team understands it because they all know oh this is the ladder process hey did you do the ladder pro you know so now it just makes it more valuable it enhances the opportunity and the likelihood that people are actually doing it, implementing it
1: Absolutely. And when you look at a buyer and you're looking to sell your company, that buyer is going to view you as a sophisticated seller in a sophisticated business. When they go to do due diligence and they see that you have none of these things documented, none of them in writing, they're going to think, what is this, some fly-by-night company? You know, maybe I shouldn't pay as much as I thought I should pay. So those things, those factors come into play. It definitely um, affects the perception of the worth of your company.
0: Got it. So, you know, that your tagline, it never trust a business lawyer who doesn't understand business. That seems like it's fairly straightforward, but break that down. What does that mean to you?
1: So let me, let me tell you an example. So um, when I was a partner um, at a big firm and my just talking to, I was working on a case with one of my, with my best associates. She was amazing, we were like whip smart, just super great, wonderful writer, really intelligent. And I realized we were doing some, I remember what it was. Maybe like post judgment discovery. It was something where we had to look at financial statements and understand financial statements and the implications of what's going on with the numbers. And I realized she didn't know what she was looking at. And I went into her office and I said, what's the difference between a balance sheet and a profit and loss? And she looked at me with a blank stare. And that is not, and that's not a knock on her because she was amazing and that stuff can be trained and taught, but those are not the types of attorneys that I have at my firm. My, the lawyers at my firm need to be business minded. They need to understand things. Like financial statements, they need to understand things that the owners of companies actually have to understand, because what that does is transforms the lawyer, as someone that just works on like case law and theory and these pure legal things, that is like that marketer that's using a tactic that has to, you know, put a round peg in a square hole or whatever the saying is, um, into someone that truly understands the client what the client needs, and then the nuts and bolts of business. Because with what we do, we're representing businesses. And we have to understand those nuances in order to be the best lawyers that we can be. And unfortunately, there's a lot of lawyers out there that, you know, are poli-sci majors or criminal justice majors or whatever, English. And then they go to law school because it's like the next best thing. It's, It's the inevitable next path. They go to law school, they learn theory, they learn law, and then they're just these lawyers, um, but they don't have a holistic approach to applying that tool. And I think the law is just a tool to be used for a business. It's, it's not always the best tool. Sometimes it's a great tool, sometimes it's the only tool, but it's not always the best tool. And the lawyer needs to recognize that in order to provide practical counsel to the client.
0: Right. Uh, You know, the the um, the core, the the parallel on our side as a a sales professional, um, I think it's so much more important to have somebody who understands business, who's going to help a business owner make a business decision versus somebody who just understands the product and can tell you why the product is good. You know, it's like because sometimes the product is good, but it might not be the right business decision to make at this time. And if you understand business and understand their business, then you can more help more effectively help buyer make that decision.
1: Absolutely.
0: So yeah, I love that. Uh, let's let's we're we're rolling along here. Um, yeah. Let's take a quick pause for a commercial. Pay some bills. Sales Team Ready Podcast is sponsored by Gain the Edge. Gain the Edge is a sales acceleration company that helps people build systems and teams and strategies that help you actually have the business that is designed to generate revenue instead of just accidentally making it. Please check us out in the show notes because we have monthly workshops that are designed to help you get this in play. I know our next one coming up is our two-day strategic plan uh, workshop. where It's a simple roadmap to a seven-figure business. Visit the links in the show notes. And if you can't sign up for the one that's here, make sure you get yourself on the waiting list and we'll get you taken care of. So, you know, Chris, I just—we I mean, have our, our, our team has you know pulled together some questions that we wanted without we would be useful to ask. You know, but um, I want to ask the—we've the, been asking a couple of those. But from your vantage point, just as somebody who's in the middle of business and growth and scale, and one of the things that I love about you, you know, as I've gotten to know you, is you're just—you're very laid back is, is always the word, you know, like you're wearing your Tommy Bahama shirt here, or, you know, you're chill, right? You're just, you go with the flow, <clears throat> but you're observing, right? You don't miss anything. <clears throat> what, what do you see? How, how, what, what do you see as the things that scaling business owners need to be a little bit more reserved in? Like how, how can that perspective benefit somebody who is moving a million miles an hour? Because, feels like you have to <clears throat> well
1: you I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before but forward motion forward consistent motion in the right direction but not throttling it down and throttling it back and changing direction and really just like living in the emotion and living in the moment um, which I think a lot of entrepreneurial minds do because they're very passionate about their business I'm very disciplined personally in doing a strategic plan for the next year and then putting all those deliverables out over the year and actually doing them. And it takes a lot of work not to add additional things to the deliverables. I'm always constantly wanting to do that or change it. And I'm, and then I have to tell myself, no, do it for next year. It can always wait to next year because it's really important, I think, to pick your strategy, stick with it do it and evaluate
0: and speak to this because you live in the same world as we do um i'm in masterminds you know we're in we're in one together we're going to be in one this week together as well and how do you keep that strategy in place that philosophy while always learning new ideas every day (laughs) self-control
1: Like I said, it's, it's a self-control thing, and I have to, and I'm constantly learning new things, constantly learning new ideas. How can I do this now? Yes, but what can I, what's going to be for next year? I, I'm so looking forward to the fall when I do my plan for next year, because that's the time that I get to implement the ideas, the things, the relationships that I've been working on in my mind for the preceding year or i guess the current year is what it would be because yeah. the current year for as far as the doing is all based on last year so i like to think about things like time and then slow and steady wins the race and i know we're talking about scaling and it's moving at a fast pace but still it's much you get from point a to point b faster by going in a straight line than you do when you're zigzagging
0: yeah amen amen um and that's such an integral piece, because you are, I mean, in today's climate, um, shiny object syndrome is a real thing, and it's everywhere. Every single day, there's a new idea. I'm like, oh, we can do this. Let's add this. And then all of a sudden, we have a whole new initiative that the team, you know, you got people on the team have to be building something, creating something, moving, and it means that they're doing it at the expense of something else.
1: It's and- easy for Jim to come up with the idea. I don't want to say easy. I'm sure it's, it's brilliant. But then Jim walks in and it's like, guys, I learned this new thing. Just go ahead and do it. Just, just yeah. get it done. And they're like, oh God, here's Jim again with his new idea, which takes away from the ideas that they're currently implementing.
0: Yes, definitely takes focus and discipline on that. Um, so it's, it's great. Uh, and it's nice to have somebody out like you in, in your corner who can help make that happen. Um, so let, let's, let's shift gears for just a minute. And, you know, we're talking about some basics, some good fundamentals and scaling, but for the people who are, who are looking more forward-minded, because uh, we, we have a term around here that we call double vision, right? You, you have to have double vision in your business. You have to have one eye on the business you're building, what, that you're living in today, because you got to make now money now. And then you have to have one eye on the business you're becoming. Otherwise you'll always be living in the today. Right. So as people are starting to think about exiting, scaling, going public, releasing a software. Everybody's got other things they're doing besides, they have other objectives besides the business that they're building right now. And, you know, uh, the term succession strategy, right? That's something that comes to mind. What are things that people need to be thinking about as they're starting to plan for a potential exit or a potential investor?
1: Okay, so there's different types of succession strategies um, two that you mentioned are bringing on an investor or just exiting by selling. There could also be um, transferring the business to your employees. There's ways to do that. It could be transferring the business to one of your family members, one or more of your family members. Um, so those strategies are different. So you need to try to think, and I, and I know things pop up, right? You could be planning on selling to your kid, Um, And then this great deal comes to you and you have to pivot, right? And you have to look at that deal and see whether it's worth it to sell. Um, But you should think globally about like your options, what you want for the company and start thinking about those things years in advance and start building the company for sale or for transition. And either way you want to document yourself and all the things that you're doing through the standard operating procedures, through the policies and procedures, through all that. The standard operating procedures are really important because they're the instruction manual. They are, you know, otherwise you're just, you know, selling someone or transferring this really complicated custom car and people need an instruction manual, driver's manual to know how to operate everything and to know how everything works under the hood. So all that comes years in advance and start planning and thinking about it. And then comes the legal work. So the legal work is the actual application of the plan. Um, And so you could do an ESOP is what they call it. Employee stock ownership plan. If you're going to transfer it to your employees, which you do over time, it's like when they buy the like instead of investing in a 401k, they're investing in the business. Okay, and then eventually transfers over. And there's been some very successful ESOPs. Um, it could be. Um, a way where you transfer it to your children. It could, you could put the business in what they call a grantor retained annuity trust, and there's certain tax benefits by structuring it that way closer to your retirement. Or it could be just a sale of the assets. And there's two ways to sell a company to a buyer you do a stock sale or an asset sale, and there's pros and cons to each. Um, you've got to think through kind of how you're new. Well, the lawyer will tell you how to do that, but you just got to come to the lawyer with this is what we're going to do. And then the lawyer packages it all up appropriately.
0: You know, I mean, we, in the beginning, when we were first starting dialoguing, we were talking about tactics following strategy and something that we make sure add that you add in front of that is philosophy, right? There needs, your strategy should follow a philosophy. And so if your philosophy is like, keep it in family business well then that's going to dictate the strategy which with you run the tactics which you build and it also could likely inform your succession plan right right if you're family then you know that it's going to be transferable right versus you know greatest public good like that could be your the philosophy of your company which then might mean you're gonna sell this to somebody who can take this to another level that, that mm-hmm. can scale it beyond you or something, you know so I think the philosophy with which you run your business or build your business on is really important, and I don't think enough people think about that. Um, how do you? How would you layer that in from a legal strategy as well?
1: Well, I think from legal, so I try to. I would stay out of philosophy. Um, I think. I think the lawyer is overstepping their bounds by getting into philosophy. That's a. That's a personal thing, and um, that's you know. I don't think a client can really come to me and start saying like, hey, do you think I should give it to my kids or do you think I should sell it for the the greater good? I would be hesitant to even provide that advice um, because I think that's a business decision. That's a personal business decision that they need to formulate um, and get real clear on. And then if they want to bounce around some of the pros and cons, like the legal implications of that, or if they wanna to talk to their accountant about some of the tax app, yeah, um, implications of that, then that's all well said and done. But as far as telling them what their philosophy is, I, I wouldn't do that because I wouldn't want some lawyer coming to me trying, to, it's almost like they're invading in a space they shouldn't be in, that's not their job. Their job is to, is to make it happen for the client. Um, but So that's all I can say is from a legal and a tax standpoint, we, I can help advise, not on the tax side, but on the legal side, what it might look like for that legal type of succession for each of those, you know, once, once you go philosophy to your strategy, what it looks like from a legal standpoint.
0: Great. Yeah, that's that's good, solid wisdom. Um, so once they've come up with the philosophy, then you, then that can help you. Guide what what direction you know what kind of decisions to make inside of that, but the the business owner's got to have that,
1: and that's and that's how deals are too. So, good lawyers don't get involved in commercial terms, and sometimes there's overlap between commercial terms and legal terms. But for the most part, a commercial term would be like. The sale price, you know, a client might come to me, and might weigh in on the sale price, like a little bit if they ask me, but I'm not going to push them hard on it. I'm not going to like blow a deal up and say, really? You're really selling your business for that? Um, because the client's coming to me and saying, I agreed to sell the business for this. A lot of most of my clients, nearly all of them are pretty darn sophisticated, they understand how to come up with a general sales price and how to negotiate it. It's not my purview to start questioning the commercial terms, you know, whether it's seller financing, I can talk about the legal implications of doing a deal seller financing, I could say you know what. It's generally good to get the most amount of money when you're the seller. You want all the purchase price in your pocket immediately and what the legal implications of not doing it that way are. But once I had once I say my piece, that's it. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of lawyers, they want to pretend and accountants do this too. They want to pretend to be business people. Um, And that's not our job. Our job is to provide legal advice. And then the accountant's job is to provide tax advice. It's not to drive commercial decisions of of the business person.
0: How much of that is also, um, you know, geography based? Yeah, you're you're based in Houston. And, uh, you know, a big percentage of what you do could be um transferable to all 50 states it is but but what is there anything is there any risk in working with an attorney say in houston if you're in california or in florida or anywhere else
1: there's so as far as as far as that with litigation um you need to be licensed in the state um even then when you're in certain forums you want to have an attorney that has a local relationship with the judge and we'll oftentimes like we've got cases in other states and we just hire local counsel and that local counsel has a good relationship with the judge. Um, But we still control the strategy and do a lot of the work and that's totally acceptable. Um, We can be admitted into that court, it's called ProHawk DJ. Um, There are some, like you mentioned, California. California can have some goofy um, laws Um, They're different than the other states, so um, certainly, and I actually have a California attorney, I would consult with that attorney on things like non-compete law, which can be a little different in California, Um, certainly when you get into like regulations and things like that that are state-specific. But as far as deal work, we do deals all over the country. You need to um, understand some of the implications of the law involved, but it's but it's very common. Um, you know, if you hire a big firm that has offices in let's say half the states, and you you go hire them in New York to do your big deal they're going to control the deal out of New York. And then they're just going to maybe lean on one of their local attorneys just to kind of look over it and bless it. But other than that, it's it's very common in the deal world.
0: Got it. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, so if you, what would be a great way for somebody who, you know, a lot of people listening to this, I, I would say, probably don't have an attorney or at least an attorney of record. and And many of them maybe have never even... with an attorney in all the years of their business um what's a good introduction to um to to a legal to getting legal support
1: you mean a good first project or just kind of had it okay um probably looking at your contracts and making sure that they're up to snuff so if you've never used a lawyer before then you probably just Googled it um, and came up with a form and did it for yourself. Maybe it was from you took a form from a prior employer. Maybe it's one of your competitors' forms. Just because your competitor is using that form doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it complies with the law. Um, And it certainly doesn't mean it's tailored to your business and your business needs. Um, so a very good first step would be to just check out some of your major contracts that you work with and having a lawyer spot check it, maybe pointing out some issues, pointing out some things that you could do better, and then revising that contract. Once, once you develop a relationship, because I know it can be scary when you haven't done it before and you're an entrepreneur, you're pretty independent, you're used to doing things yourself. Um once you use an attorney and you develop a relationship with an attorney, it's very natural that you just start running everything by that attorney. Cause you see the value in it. You see all the pitfalls that you've avoided. You see the things that you've made better. And those are the relationships that I have. They're just ongoing and the clients are just constantly coming at me with different things.
0: Okay. Um, do you have a way for people to, you know, simply take a first step with you and, and find out how you can support them? Uh, you're happy prepared. to talk
1: to anyone for free for an initial consult, 15 minutes, um, and talk about any issues that they have. And if they want to shoot me their contract over that 15 minutes, I'll take a quick look at it and we can just talk through it, see if we're perhaps a right fit. Um, The law firm's website is johnsonlaw.com and it's J-O-H-N-S-E-N. It's a Scandinavian spelling and there's a scheduling bot there and it goes right to my calendar. You book a 15-minute talk with me if you want to go straight to the Calendly link. It's calendly.com forward slash Chris Johnson. Again, J-O-H-N-S-E-N. And I'd be happy to talk with everyone. I'm, I'm always talking to to new prospects. And if there's a right fit, then we sign up and engage, we come up with, with uh, an arrangement um, pretty much tailored for that situation that's going on at the time. And, um, and if it's not a fit, it's not a fit.
0: Awesome stuff. And the links will be in the show notes with everything else with all of his with all the ways to contact him on social media and everything else. And, Um, As you know, guys, I would never bring you somebody that we don't don't trust, don't believe in, don't buy in. And, um, you know, I've had, I've gotten to know Chris over the, you know, over the course of the last year and he just, he's a wealth of information. He's got, he's got a lot of great experience. And he's in the business world, so he understands all the things that you understand. He can just seize it from a, through the legal lens. So I would highly recommend you reach out and you know put uh, pick his brain for 15 minutes and see what just you know what, what's the what's the problem you want to solve or start with a contract like you said that that alone can make a massive uh, game changer and and probably save you uh, from some some uh, litigation or um, uh, any any kind of dispute. And uh, that stuff is worth its weight in gold for that kind of peace of mind. Because one one dispute that goes wrong can cost you far more than it can to, uh, you know, to retain the services of someone like Chris. So um, let's make sure that uh, you're getting everything that you need handled and taken care of. Make sure you're out there making the cash registers ring and doing everything we can. But, you know, don't do it by cutting the corners, doing it by doing it, doing it the right way. It's always a much better way to be able to sleep at night. So. Chris, totally appreciate you uh, taking the time, and I look forward to uh, you know doing it again, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of days, uh, uh, you know at the uh, at the next mastermind we got coming up. Thanks, uh, Jim. Part- parting thought, Any parting thought or word to send somebody off with? You? <laughs>
1: no, no parting thoughts. But thank you, Jim, for having me on your show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime. There's nothing more than than I like than just talking with business owners and and helping them.
0: Outstanding. All right, you heard it here first. Go check them out, go make a difference, make an impact and we'll see you soon.